We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRunGood.com. All the stats, tools, and info that I'll be referencing on this podcast can be found over at RickRunGood.com. Now is an incredible time to sign up. PGA Championship coming up right around the corner. Actually, a lot of a lot of good O'Kill talk in uh, in this podcast as well. But I will have a ton of great O'Kill stuff exclusive to the website in the next two weeks before I make another trek cross country to be there. Um, so you're going to get all that, plus my three premium articles every week, all the stats and tools that the website has, our incredible ownership projections from Cav. He was on the podcast last week, uh, and so much more. So if you take the time, if you're a listener of this podcast, uh and you do not have Rick Run Good in your arsenal to be able to expand and do your own research, I think you should definitely amend that. Uh, so sign up today using coupon code Andy. That is the important part if you want to help me out. And we would love to have you as part of the team. All right. Coming up on this podcast is a good one. Myself, Jeff Feinberg, Mayo Media Network and Odds Checker, talking Tony Finau. Will live Singapore, Wells Fargo picks, and O'Kill. Um, always a blast with Jeff. I feel like I talk to him every day, but he hasn't come on this podcast since I believe December when we were talking football. So it's a really good one. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Let's bring on Jeff. All right, Jeff Feinberg is here. I feel like it's been forever. You haven't been on this podcast feed. For a bit, but I distinctly remember last time you came on, I think it was a little bit after the Houston Open, we were discussing the greatness of Tony Finau, and once again, our prince is just making magic happen in Mexico. Great win, another fun win for Finau. He seems to have, um, how do you say, cornered the market, Andy, on these... Since he got that big FedEx Cup playoff win, that kind of feels like it got a big monkey off his back in Liberty many ways. National. Yeah. Yeah, and a 66 to one. It does seem like, uh, which did repay a lot of like the longtime feeders into the pot waiting for something. But he has mastered these, like, I don't want to call them alternate fields, but like Detroit and Minnesota. And Houston in the swing season. Yeah. And now Mexico. And he's winning them by multiple strokes. Uh, so I want to see Tony regain his Supreme in something big, maybe in a couple weeks' time. And that's not to knock Tony. It's been fabulous. I think if you looked at the stats, the finishes weren't correlating to how well he'd been playing statistically. But yeah, it's great to see one of the absolute good guys on tour and if he could win a big major i say big major as if the pga championship might not be big enough but he's the type of guy like corporate america just wants him to win something huge so they can glom onto i feel andy yeah i mean i actually think the people that some people are like really discrediting him and i just i think that's like a bad take like i, I don't know what you want him to do i mean it's the same people that kill Ohio State for losing in the national championship by 30 to Alabama or Georgia. 
where it's like, well, would you rather have them go eight and five and beat Liberty 45 to nothing in the lending tree bowl? Like he showed up and he took care of business, which is still really fucking hard to beat 145 other golfers on a golf course that does not do a great job of penalizing average tee to green play. And frankly, Jeff, I've talked about this with Joseph Lamagna a bunch before on previous podcasts, but I think more players should be doing what Finau is doing not to get into like a schedule optimization rant, but Justin Thomas, who's outside the top 50 in the FedEx cup standings, he should be playing in Mexico. There's more value for him to play in Mexico than there is the Wells Fargo. Ricky Fowler should be playing in Mexico. I think the bigger name players, like they have some ego and I don't always think that they optimize their schedule in the most profitable way. And credit to Tony Finau, who's making millions of dollars every year, is fourth in the FedEx Cup standings and set up to win $20 million with one dinky win. And if you want to discredit him, then great. He's the best iron player in the world. I can't, it's not, it's, it's just a statistical fact. He's the best iron player in the world. And he has been for the last six months. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to sort of go by there. I think this sort of new elevated schedule, it's almost like, uh, like, I feel like it's going to adapt on the fly. Andy. Yeah. I think they're going to be very flexible with it in many ways from, you know, so great to see Tiger vouch for the um, like how much he hates the no cut aspect and almost declared Riviera will absolutely have a cut. Yeah. He's got anything to do with it. And everyone likes to copy what Tiger does. And I hope the other ones will follow suit. Um, yeah, it feels a bit exhausting or the scheduling is sort of becoming an issue. And you are right. The smart players are the good ones that sort of bully these lesser lesser fields well the fedex cup is inherently a flawed system that needs to change in my opinion i think if you were smart you would make fedex cup points only be at the elevated events or create some system where you remove the playoffs entirely but it's like the way the fedex cup is structured it's like it's actually more valuable and more optimal for you to play the mexico open if you're a good player a lot of the time which is weird, I know, but that's the way the FedEx Cup is. Finau's fourth in the FedEx Cup, and he has been outplayed by other players that have been better in elevated events. But there's a, what, 50-point, 100-point difference in FedEx Cup points between the Mexico and this week in Quail Hollow, which has, what, 20, 20 of the best 25 players in the world, and Mexico had four players in the top 100. Like, it's I, like a, it's, it's like a college football team, Andy. You get to pick yeah. your schedule, buddy. Yeah. You get to throw in those lightweights. Like, <laughs> sure. Obviously you gotta, you're going to play the big ones and obviously the majors and Tony always holds his own in those, but you could set up your cream puffs and not enough players do it. Maybe it's an ego uh, thing or this year, the elevated events are just so frequent that they too found, many of them. They just created this schedule. Like I, I, I was discussing with Pat earlier, And going through it, like in theory, when they threw spaghetti on the wall and saw how much money they were making and seeing how they love to peak for majors, the plan is for their game to peak at majors. Why not like ride that over an extra week? I'm already trying to peak for the majors. Let's add that extra week. That makes total sense to have the elevated event out of majors. In theory, in practice, maybe some of them aren't enjoying that nearly as much. But Finau is taking advantage of that and something that we've long discussed. I know these elevated events are a newer thing, but there is an opportunity to bully FedEx cup points to take advantage of the system. If you are a really good player, because what the tour, what the tour is long stressed with the FedEx cup points is they really don't want to, when people sponsor what these companies sponsor, you know, how much it costs and the investment to sponsor an event. If you diminish the FedEx cup points, that that takes away the chances of good players coming. Right. And and it also makes your event seem inferior. So right. the the PGA Tour by that by that probably main reason has held more FedEx Cup points to these shittier fields than we from the outside screaming like no there should be more of like a weighted system. Mm-hmm. No, because that weighted system would embarrass the sponsor and it would make attracting players which is hard enough as is even harder so those fedex cut points remain and guys like a now can continue to bully that system but you're absolutely right justin colin get off the mat right victor Just get a trophy <laughs> one phil won a freaking champions tour event and it yeah. propelled them to a pga championship 
So people saying like, who cares? Fino won Mexico. What do you mean? Like, I'm not comparing Phil to Fino, but I'm saying like a win is a win is a win for some of these guys and how quickly like something can flip for them that. Yeah. Begs Ricky. I mean, we were screaming like, why aren't you trying to get into the masters, man? Go to the hot. Like what's going on? Yeah. They have their own reasons. And Ricky is probably so most of them are so flattered to be just elevated event guys. Like it's an ego thing. It, I, it, I it is a little bit. I mean, you're and I would abs- probably play into it also, but at some point, it's going to get a little exhausting, maybe on the same end for some. You're level. you're absolutely right. I mean, as long as this structure is in place with the FedEx Cup, like I give credit to Finau for for understanding these things. And he, listen, he's going to be, and you know, some people could say, well, there's more money at there's more money at the um, elevated events which there are, but the elevated events are way harder to win. I mean, the two best players in the world have won half of them, have won over half of them. Rom and Rom and Scheffler have won five of nine and you could win these dinky events and then set yourself up. And then you're automatically essentially going to walk to the tour championship and have a chance to win $20 million. So, you know, the, here's the thing. We always knew this was going to be a transition year, right? They had to move quickly to create a new reality because of Lev. And they did a lot of this stuff quickly and on the fly and instituted it probably faster than they were planning on doing it. So I do hope that they will realize some certain things, right? Like, whereas I think this system actually works better if you reduce the amount of elevated events by a little bit. It already feels spread like, them out a little, right? Yeah, like spread we them had out none, a little. Yeah. yeah, we had none at the beginning of the year. I mean, Century was one, but yeah, spread them, spread them out. Um, yeah. Well, but did you're you right. like? Did seem you like they acknowledge from go that there's like they want to be flexible with this? This is sort of like trial. You know, they're they're sort of um, we want that money immediately, but we're like sort of going to trial and error how we're going to like do the schedule long term, it seems like when I heard that the heritage was an elevated event the week after the Masters. And then when I heard that they were having an elevated event in Cromwell, Connecticut, a week after a U.S. Open at LACC and I fly cross country a lot, probably six or seven times a year because I'm in between New York and LA. Like that's a, that's a bit, it's a big trip. And I'm, I'm really shocked that they have the travelers as an elevated event the week after LACC. So I, my initial thought was like, this is really stupid and really extra and really unnecessary. And then, you know, you know, somebody came back and had a decent response that I thought was interesting, which was like, well, look at the ratings for the heritage, like the ratings for the heritage were the best for a non-major PGA tour event in like a couple years. So, you know, maybe they're trying to build off the momentum of the masters, but like, what did you think of, what do you like the elevated events the week after majors? It just feels maybe it is, you know, I don't know. They do data on like when people watch golf, who watches golf, and like maybe there that is an optimal strategy, but it feels like for us and the players, it's just like you're so we're so fucking exhausted after a major. Yeah, so I kind of alluded to it that I think the players were just in theory, they want to peak for the majors. So it's easy to convince the players, like you're already trying to like have your game at complete optimal performance the week before. Why not like roll that over while you are in that what you're hoping is that zone of peakness while we're playing for big money? And then the fan aspect, the casuals are most interested the week after the major. Those are the only events where the guy that wins shows up on like the network TV morning shows, potentially. Yeah, they want to do that tour. So um, there is that. And to pick up on your travelers rant, Andy. What do you think the week before the U.S. Open is? It's it's Canada, right? Yeah, it's Toronto. It's right <laughs> here. And I have no doubt RBC will have a charter for all those guys. Like, they will fly yeah. them first class. Like, they will fly them live style to L.A. post-Sunday yeah. post night. That's how RBC rolls. RBC used to have a charter for guys because it used to be the week after the British Open. So yeah. RBC would have like a charter plane for them. The you know anything you can do to convince guys to come. Um, 
actually pretty strong. Ari Sam Burns, uh, Cam Young, Sahith. Sahith is an RBC guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Patrick is RBC, right? Sahith Fitzpatrick Lowry announced um, today, and obviously, um, yeah, some other RBC. Well, obviously, all the RBC guys and all those Canadians. No doubt. So that's um, exciting. But yeah, it's we'll see. It's on the go with this elevated event stuff. Yeah. I'm Well, you you know, it's too many because, you know, Quail Hollow is supposed to be one of, you know, the staple courses of the PGA Tour and the two best players in the world are skipping it. Why are they skipping it? Because they're at Oak Hill this week. So and Rory would be at Oak Hill this week, too, okay, if he, had, on, if he though, wasn't the defending champion. I would argue they're skipping it for the reason should skip it or that could be more ambitious. World number one seed is an international player because he is international on a PGA aspect and sees that opportunity to grow himself in his brand in Mexico is better and, for him than in America. And Scheffler so has Texas title. Out. Yeah. And Scheffler has Texas. So both of them are saying, screw elevated event. I'm going for like these personal reasons to these other stops. And hopefully other guys, more higher end players sort of go after that as they see the schedules where maybe we can see, a, I don't know, like Keith Mitchell, not, and this is a low end example, but Keith Mitchell have to not skip the Honda yeah. in some ways, you know? Yeah. This yeah. is perfect for you and you've won there and it like just makes all the sense in the world. But when it's the week after what well, all that California fun um makes and Phoenix, there's it's got no chance. Yeah. Um oh uh, well let's talk about Willis for actually real uh quick. Did you watch any Live Singapore? No, but that's not a no it was only on tape delay. I wasn't streaming it. I yeah. had a Sergio 30 to 1. I was annoyed to see he didn't win. Um I was impressed by the crowds in Adelaide. Uh, but I, I didn't I, I'm not really if I'm like around and it's on and watch it, I'm not anti-watching it, but I'm not like a midnight staying up uh, unless I'm like feeding a baby and I'm not in that stage. Right. Where do you stand on Gooch? Because I feel like the pendulum is like swinging too far in the like in both directions. People are either, you know, the live people are like Gooch is a top 20 guy in the world. And then guys are coming back and being like, you know, Gooch is ter actually terrible. This means nothing. And I do think it's really challenging to evaluate uh, what these events, wi what winning these events mean. Um but like, for example, if I asked you right now, who's better at golf, Taylor Gooch or Keegan Bradley? What's your answer? Because this is Ryder Cup stuff, right? Yeah, my my answer is probably Taylor Gooch, but I'm not this Keegan guy that a lot of me too. Okay, of, okay, another maybe one ask of a of a comparable. Listen, I just said a couple minutes ago, the point of like Phil won the PGA All Champions Tour event with yeah, and. I you like a live when me like it's worth something uh so the leaf my leafs here playing brooks's uh panthers maybe he'll uh, be bringing some pylons to that stuff should be fun but uh i need I, it's hard for me to take the live win seriously until dj and cam are playing better right and brooks is there and that's great and that's great to see and you know there's so few players in the world that i think a wet seven par 70, 7,400 yard course can work for it. Brooks Kepka is certainly one of them with how he can dominate PJ championships. So that'd be my only knock on like live players. Cause you're not going to win an elevated event without sort of like beating. I guess you could embarrass me here, but who did Kitty Yama nibble at the end when he won at Bay Hill? Who what, was like, in good the players mix at, were there? Who, who's in the mix at Bay Hill? Rom, Rom was first round leader and then he sure. completely oh Rory was in the mix. Rory finished top five at Bay Hill this year. What, what I'm just saying, like yeah. it doesn't um you know, to win a major, to win an elevated event, you're gonna have to beat these guys playing their best. I don't know. I don't know. List still total unknown for me, Andy. I just said a lot of words. It's, um, in yeah. terms of how it works for the majors, I would argue now, maybe from like a DFS betting perspective, well, 
you could take them differently that based off the performance in the major and the masters, people will be really excited for them in the PGA. And I would just say like, maybe we rein that in just a little when you recognize which live players did play well at the masters past champion uh, Brooks and Phil. I mean, uh, Brooks has a second place. Reed has won there. Phil has won there multiple times. It's such a comfort course for certain guys. We'll see how it prepares them for this next one. But again, I'm sort of treading lightly. I totally expect a few guys on live to play to the talent we know they have. That's just, there's enough of them in the field where like, of course, a handful of them are going to play to the talent level we know that they have. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm way less interested and intrigued with betting with guys at Oak Hill as I am intrigued about the final couple spots of the Ryder Cup team because I kind of know who I think is going to win Oak Hill. I'm, it's Rory for me. It always has been. And if I have room for Cam Young, that's it. Those are my two guys. But I'll say the quiet part out loud here. Gooch is a better course fit for Marco Simone than Saheth. Gooch is a really accurate driver of the ball, and he has a really fucking good short game. And if they set up the course the way I think they're going to set up the course, the way they had it at that Italian Open where Fitzpatrick was in the playoff, I think with Bobby Mack, I think this is a golf course. I think Marco Simone is a golf course that could give Saheth and Kurt Kitayama, for that matter, the you know some of the buzzy names and Keegan's the third, you know for those back end two spots and Ricky Fowler, who I think should be on the team. I, I just like I, I think that that's for the same reason why I thought Sahith was going to have an unbelievable Masters. I think that Marco Simone is a terrible course fit for him, and you know I just think that it's really intriguing with the live guys in the Ryder Cup because. Here's the problem with the Gooch thing, too. Let's say that Gooch keeps playing awesome golf on live, contending or winning every week. And DJ continues to be very pedestrian, middle of the road finishes every week. Like, push comes to shove. Aren't you still picking DJ if you are allowed to pick live guys? Okay, well, I was under the impression these guys are really not options maybe are they I, not options like i, 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 I just, don't know but i assume i assume both sides are going to decide together i don't see one of these teams taking live players and the other team not taking live players well they're I, I think it's actually more realistic for european right because the live players are currently banned from the pga tour and the uh live players are receiving sanctions for playing in DP World Tour events, but they're I not still, technically banned from DP players, World Tour. I, I mean, maybe someone should post a bet on this, like one of the books, now that you can bet anything. I don't see it as a coin flip. I see it as highly unlikely that any live players in this edition of the Ryder Cup. In two years from now, maybe it'll be different. I see them as non-options. They're not getting their rub on NBC for any of it. These are tour partners, no matter if, how you want to if, slice it. What if Brooks wins the PGA and qualifies? and finish, What if Brooks wins the PGA and finishes top 15 at the other two majors and qualifies on points? It, it, I know. It's it's interesting. I, 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 I actually, and I mean, I have been fairly outspoken about my personal feelings towards Liv, I I think they should I think they should be eligible as captain's oh. picks. I mean, what is the point of a captain's pick? I, I don't understand I, if I they're agree. not eligible. I like, think they <laughs> should be eligible. I think it'd be better if they're there because you it's just about getting the best players there. I don't not that think the US needs them, but it, it'd be more fun. Honestly, spec like especially the shit that went on with Europe with like changing the captaincy over live. I don't see any live involved in 2023 without without qualifying on on points via majors. You're probably right. With the Europe, it is kind of weird with the uh, with the Stenson thing. Like that would be a pretty big double standard if now live guys can play and they they <laughs> axe the captaincy stuff. Well, I think it's a little bit different with the U.S. because, but I, I think, think they if, would do I, it in in support like in. Um, I think they would want to be um, 
what's the like i don't think the u.s well maybe i'm wrong maybe it's just all about being competitive and yeah the, i mean the they US don't have enough need them there's no patrick i mean there's no dustin johnson or brooks kepka potentially available to europe um you know it sort of would be a back end yeah is there a glaring player on live for the european team that is way better than the back end options for the european team right now which are like alex noren like is there a player on live on that is from europe that is like glaringly glaringly better than alex noren or on that on that golf course i might still want sergio but <laughs> I might want Alex Nord on that golf course. Yeah, sure. I'm yeah. just talking about of the live European. Yeah, like right. No, Westwood's no, no, Westwood's totally. a corpse. Yes. Sensen, not Poulter, really. Poulter, former Ryder Cup. He's saying his last song at Whistling. Yeah, yeah. So I would argue that um, Sergio would be the only one. And yes, yeah, Sergio in current form, there's like a replacement player that's equal. I like. As as bad a shape as the back end of Europe is, I don't think like whoever they take at twelve is better than Sergio. Maybe also, the, the front end of Europe's really good. Uh, I take that back. I like Sergio a bit, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, the way that Rom is playing right now and Rory, you just play Rom and Rory every single time. Um, you put you trot them out for five matches. And I think Fitz is I think Fitz is gonna grow into a really good Ryder Cup player. And I really hope Hovland does too. Um yeah, I could see myself. I've talked myself m- maybe into now thinking I'm gonna be betting Europe that week. But I don't think any, anything I will do could be that we should see. I don't think it would be a huge play, but I have talked myself into it, into just cheering for the underdog. Rom and Rory going four zero and one each, and then just getting something in the back end that not even the back end nibbles from that next tier, and then Sunday's exciting. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how they set that up course. The course. Yeah, that course could be well, should be a big um, neutralizer. You would think, you know, that could be a perfect place for four fits for a Hatton. You know, just to um, yeah. hold their own against like. Um, a clearly favored i don't know the teams that are so good with the americans are wow, i don't want to talk about how i would bet tough this fucker yet. too yeah um okay let's talk wells fargo so top of the board rory seven can't lay 12 tony 14 xander 16 hovland 20 spieth 20 i mean you know i'm looking at DraftKings right now fitz is 22 jt's 22 more is 22 cameron young's 22 this guy should all be like Half of these guys should be 30, 28, 30. I mean, Sungjae, 25, Max Homa, 25, Jason Day, 25, Sam Burns, 30, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's like 15 guys under 30 to one. I mean, I saw you tweeted it earlier today. It's just, I, I get it. They're, you said this too, like they're, and I, this week, I did not look past 30 to one. I was like, I think there are 15 guys in this field that can win. I'm betting Sungjae, I'm betting JT, and I'm betting Hovland, and I'm done. And I just, I I think it's a shame that odds are like this. I hope it's not something that continues, but here we are. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, the only real shame, truthfully, is that you can't... I get what... It almost, you'd argue, it's taken them too long and we've maybe gotten here slowly. 
But I, I totally get why the books have now officially, if they want to forever, until anything changes, cut up their legs totally out from under us from like the top 10, 15 guys on the market. Whatever the tournament is, no matter who good or bad the field is, those are the only guys that win. Like at an 88% clip. The issue, my bigger issue is, and maybe they're saving me money by not attracting me with shitty, with bad players with great numbers, but you cannot, if if like one end of the market, how do I put this? They, the bad players still have shitty numbers. That doesn't make any sense. You can't like crush one side and not lift the other side. So that That is kind of annoying, but maybe that subsequently does save me money i like you of i mean looking at how a very is small... how is fowler 35 yeah i said that's criminal like how you know everyone has their local news that does these investigative reports on like local businesses that are like robbing old people <laughs> or ripping off customers like their shady moving companies or the shady mechanic that's you know got your car hostage and then he shows up like knocking on the owner's door with his camera say like we're here from channel five Someone's got to be knocking on these predatory prices. And I ranted like this on Mayo today, but you invited me on and I'll rant about it again. It's crazy. Ricky Fowler, 35 to one. That person should be investigated. There's like regulation now. That person should be investigated. We need um, sanctions. There, even uh, in what? my craziness, like I love Ricky. What's best about Ricky Andy is just like a consistent golfer. Like, even when he's not playing well, he can, like, kind of just hold his own. I'm not talking about the Ricky win market. That's crazy to me. Maybe we can get to a tournament where Ricky can win. Um, I want him to actually be in it somewhere on Sunday. But it's great to see the consistency. But, yeah, I mean, I've made two bets. I woke up. I bet Cam Young just mm. basically is, like, saying at Christmas, Cam Young's winning Wells Fargo this year. And then having a nice PGA future that I feel like if he busts his load in the event before the PGA, I would hate myself. So I'm. What do you have? Creative. What do you have Cam Young at? For, I have a, a a sixty six and a forty nine. It's awesome. So I'm ex I'm excited about that and the prospects for next for that one. But if he pops early, so that's almost like. I'm investing in my PGA championship tickets by betting him this week. If that makes any sense, it's the mind of a sophisticated square gambler. That's how I'm looking at that one. And I've bet Victor Hovland at 22 to one because all he does is bring me to Sunday. He's like elite Finau from four years ago in the sense that, you know, Finau was a product of a reality show and was a late bloomer victor was a super prospect who was low am at, at augusta and i am expecting everything i thought ricky fowler's trophy case would look like i've now bestowed upon victor hovland for myself and i <laughs> believe he will get there i'm convinced in my soul that he will get there and all he does is contend people can make fun of finishes i don't look at it that way i look at a guy that like always goes to sunday in big events in the mix and one of these Sundays, we're going to get the ceiling round and he's going to evaporate them. That's how I look at Victor Hovland. Um, wish the number was a little higher. I went to bed thinking maybe it would be. But, you know, for all the holes in his game, every Sunday or every tournament, like there's Victor playing outstanding. So he's gained over five strokes ball striking in six straight starts. He's a top five. There's one, two, maybe Rom and Finau and Scheffler right now. And maybe, you know, maybe Rory that are hitting the ball better than Hovland right now, but he's a top five ball striker in the world. And I'm with you. I don't really knock guys for not winning until they get into their late twenties. Like until they get to Spieth's age and JT's age and Hovland's still 26, I think. And, you know, the way that Hovland is hitting the ball right now, and I actually feel this way about Sungjae too, who's playing like quietly unbelievable golf. I mean, Sungjae's finished top 25 in six straight starts, but this is the trajectory. This is how Finau was hitting the ball before he started, before the cover came off. This was how Xander stats looked like 
before he won back-to-back times. And everyone was saying, why doesn't Xander win? And he's having all these high-end finishes, and then the cover comes off and he wins back-to-back times. This was Fitz was starting to do these types of things off the tee and on approach right before he wins the U.S. Open, wins more in Europe, wins again now another elevated event. So, like, Victor is showing all of the signs that you want, even with the major championships now. It was like, okay, the next step with Victor is like, we got to see him start contending in major championships. What do you know? Final group on Sunday at the Open at St. Andrews. Seventh place finish at the Masters. Like now he's starting to pile up top tens at the majors too. So, like in terms of Hovland's trajectory, he's right on pace to start winning bigger events now. Right. And I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be this week, but I bet him too. Yeah. You're saying like this is the QBs going into year three or four. Like it's, it is yeah. now, buddy. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. There are no more apologies for being young or like now you're elite. Like now you go. Now you go. Not talking about any specific quarterback going into year four. Nah. But it's like now we go because, like, I can't defend you anymore on the internet if we can't take steps. <laughs> Let me ask you a question Would you rather have Victor Hovland win this event at Quail Hollow or contend but not win in two of the next three majors? Oh, win. Um, yeah, just win. Like, cause I, I think I, so. I don't know. It's a it tough question. Like the, I think when, when too. the good, when the players we have seen, when the players of the Hovland level skill win, that seems to like set the stage for like a run of wins. Like the amount of players yeah. we have seen, like gobble up wins once they just sort of have a nice little moment. I, I like, it would be so easy to categorize Victor and, and all of, in all of that. Um, but yeah, so I, I love it. I'm like sort of beholden to it. I, I was hoping to get a better number, but I bet it at, at, um, at 22 today. And because it's an elevated event, I guess I'll be overexposed. You have room for one more. I mean, if you one or two more, I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. I thought about making that one more like can't that would overexpose you a little bit. Yeah, J- no, not, JT like, just, would not. I don't no, think. Well, I JT, mean, the way that the I guys do. Guys, I've been thinking about are were, were JT, Sungjae. If I wanted to get a little cheaper, those maybe are my Sam guys. Burns, yeah, and Mayo, Mayo tried to sell me on Spieth, but nah. I'd rather like die with. I mean, right, Sungjae or betting him too much feels. Speed's gonna uh, get us. Speed's gonna get. Speed's gonna. Speed's gonna win next week. I think. Or your speed's gonna get his wins in Texas at Colonial. I think this is. But look at the speed. The speed recent resume of finishes Oof, is insane. It's good. It's good. The irons. The but, issue. The one thing I will come. The just to throw a touch of cold water on it. Like it is important to consider that when Jordan Speed gains six or seven strokes on approach at the Heritage when. 75 to 80% of the approach shots are from 150 yards in. That's different from a golf course like Quail Hollow, where over 50% of the approach shots are going to be from 200 yards plus. And Spieth is still not the long iron player that a lot of these guys are. And I would say I do totally agree because I kind of even talked Pat maybe into like doubling around. Let's like stare at Justin for a bit here. Because you can even get an enhanced win up to twenty four to one, yeah, which I think is kind of fair. Um, maybe a little painful for for some who have been um, chasing the Justin win. But I would argue, if I was talking to two guys who hadn't like been chasing anything, I would much. I this might backfire and sound real stupid. I feel a lot better about Justin getting off the mat this week than say Morikawa. Me too. Um, a lot better. You know, Jeff, I am the most statistical by the numbers guy that you will find. And there are plenty of still good statistical reasons to bet Justin Thomas this week. I mean, for he's having the worst year of his career uh, in not his career, but in, in at least five, six years. And uh, he's still 
he's still hitting the ball really great. And he's still finishing top 20 in seven of nine starts this year and putting up high end finishes. His, this floor, is a, his floor is gaining six strokes with an approach and his ceiling is like going double digits. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know? it's, yeah. So, so for me though, this is like a, this is like an unquantifiable thing for me where I just like feel it in my gut that Justin Thomas is going to contend this week. I just feel it in my bones. I just oh, have a, few, I just have a strong, I think Jeff, I think that Justin Thomas right now is the most pissed off good player in golf right now. Yeah. More, more cow was trying to be, I know he sort of made some comments at his like press conference uh, JT with, with his weird goals list. And he yeah, won the oh, PGA JT is here. Fuming. JT is fuming. Yeah. JT, like even still missing the cut at the at masters, the masters he's, he's terrible at the, at the players. And I will say in terms of a gut thing and like sort of just trying to call something, I mean, the way he is, he's playing T to green Every single week. I mean, he he's had horrible. He hasn't gained on the greens in about a month and a half, Andy. <laughs> but if there's a place like you want a major championship here, I know there's been a renovation, but if there's a place where you have to go through those gates and get yeah. a glow, the big one the came right before the PGA first major at, right? Like, isn't that where it's like, you think about like the day your first child was born. Mm. I'm sure. Like it's got that sort of no, maybe I you know, listen. I, I've had children. I've been there when they were born. Winning a major championship honestly sounds like way cooler. <laughs> no, like I, I don't know. Like I've experienced. Like it was awesome. My heart, like you know, you feel something special. And anytime I think about that, I get this like little tingle. In the same <laughs> way, I get a tingle thinking about. You know, Joe Carter hitting a home walk off homer to win the World Series when I'm a 10 year old boy. Like, it just does something for you. Um, yeah. So, there's no, this has to be the place where it flips for him on the greens while the approach remains what it is. Um, so, I totally see why you can like mentally just, uh, I don't even think you're ignoring stats by betting Justin Thomas. Yeah, you are stats just are fine. Yeah, the stats are fine. You're just like, no, now he's in a happy place and he's going to put fine and he's going to be there. So I, I like that. Um, it'd be hard to swallow. Sunday, they really feel that win coming the way they're pricing him with these other guys. Statistically, like I said, like I said, with Xander and Tony and Fitzpatrick, Sungjae is doing absolutely everything that you want to see before the cover comes off on somebody. and. You know, he is a extreme. He's been unlucky with wins. He was in the mix two weeks in a row in contention. He's finished. He's one of the only guys in the world to finish top 16 at both the Masters and the players. Fourth at Torrey, sixth in Phoenix, seventh at the Heritage. He should have, he was, he should have won uh, Zurich for what it's worth, too. Keith Mitchell was fucking up down the stretch. But oh I mean, my it, god, yeah, yeah he should have I mean, won that one too. I mean, he's doing, he's doing I don't everything you want to see. Kind of melted when he felt like he had to do everything on yeah. his own. But yeah, but if Mitchell was there just a bit through the yeah. first four days, they've got a six-stroke lead or yeah. something. Yeah, literally, literally. And so, a statistical from a trends, you know, look at the incoming form of all of these guys that are about to pop off. Sung Jay is doing literally all of those things. So I bet him. And and that's how I feel. Like I I just I think that these guys, I look at the numbers and I'm like, Hovlin, Justin Thomas, Sung Jay, the way those guys are hitting the ball right now, in my opinion, they're in the elite class, along with guys like Cantley and Finau and Xander and Spieth and Fitz and Cam Young and Homa. And I'm not. I'm not even considering, you know, the Corey Connors and the Sahiths and the Tom Kims and the Fowlers. I'm so good. You bet, so you don't bet Corey Connors and what's going to happen on like <sighs> Friday night. You're going to be mad at yourself that you didn't yeah. bet Corey Connors because he's going to be in the second to last group or the last group is going to be playing great. But then there's going to be that moment on the weekend where you like fist pump. You're like, fuck. Yeah, I knew not to bet Corey <laughs> Connors. 
he might like he might really give you a moment like your peace of mind i'm trying to get where you're getting andy i mean i'm not like i will be there this week with my betting card did have you bet a guy like I will lose some peace of mind on Thursday when I see this scrub that I like talked so nice about wanted to bet playing well, but he will not win. Do not lose your peace of mind. Hold strong brother. So yeah, I totally, I totally get it. They're not winning. We should talk about some longer shots just for the audience for like, you know, draft games yeah, and top, well, top 20 plays. So who, as high as 48. And I'm Ooh. not betting it because I'm too invested, but we were like a, a month, five weeks ago from this guy being the absolute like statistical, as I joked with Mayo today, like I could bet Hatton for the next year and just think about that shot on 18 at the players and it can convince me to click. Yes. That makes any sense. <laughs> like that, I, I like Hatton that, too. Yeah. Uh, but I can't get there. I can't. Um, so what about if I gave you this tier of like 45 to 100 and I gave you names like Tommy and Lowry and Keegan and Gary Woodland, who's hitting the shit out of the ball and Keith Mitchell and Brian Harmon, you mentioned Connors. I mean, any of those guys, like if you were most likely to pick one, who would it be? Probably Gary. Gary and Tommy, but that's my fanboy, my fanboy talking. I'd just be happy for them. I like Corey a lot too, man. As much mm-hmm. as we just made those jokes. Um, I'm a sucker for Corey, but I don't see myself betting betting any of them. None. None for me either. Hundred plus. I'll give you a couple names that I, I like for name. for DraftKings more. Cam Davis, duh, brand play. Love me some Cam Davis, always. He's 110 to 1 on DraftKings. I'm sure there are better numbers out there. I think the Patrick Rogers situation is worth monitoring. That, what does that mean? That, <laughs> Sorry. Like your boy CP's watching his Rangers losing in game seven right now. That's why I, I got said- you on. I was going to have you on in like two weeks. And, and Powers is like, I think I should just like send game seven. And yeah, I was like, send it. Yeah, yeah, why not? No, I get why is there best of luck to them, but I don't know whether you're trying to curse, like, because he needs some good mojo as we are recording right now. What's the um, score? I'm looking playing. at it right now. Yeah, they're losing, I think. One, yeah, okay. One nothing Devils. One nothing Devils. It's in New so Jersey. So you have some yeah. good Patrick Rogers mojo for him? Or he's what? playing, he's playing really good golf. And He's not winning this event, but you know, this is an example of a guy that has always been a really good driver of the ball, really good putter too, actually a pretty good short game too. And now he's starting to hit his irons better too. And you see, he's starting to contend and finish top 20 at a more consistent rate. I just, and this is a good golf course that he's finished runner up at before. I like him on big, long golf courses. So I'm just monitoring that situation this week. And then there are like the classic ones. Like you think about the most basic industry narrative of like distance and long iron play and like, can Luke List win at 200 to one? Maybe, you know, Joseph Bramlett, 250. Like those are guys that are priced 200 to one that are top 15 in this field in, you know, distance off the tee and long iron play at a very elementary level. I have some like deep cuts, but again, I don't want to even, I, I feel like I'm, I'm just getting, getting weird to get weird sometimes. Okay. So I got one body that I will make money on this week. He'll be okay. probably everywhere. My, well, I shouldn't comment on the draft because I don't even know the pricing. Um, you guys can't even play in Canada. I can't anymore, play where right? I am. I can't play where I am. Yeah. I send some dummy lineups to some friends or cousins, I'm always in in like my single entry. Albatross. Are you a, in the city of Toronto? Or are you in the suburbs? I'm in the city, but the whole province, you can't um, yeah. play DFS still because our government is moronic 
Uh, they don't really understand how it works. And it's not about the classification of gambling or not gambling. It's a tax issue. They want to tax the DFS games like they tax a sports book. And the DFS is like, well, no, that's the rake. Like you're, you yeah. change the whole structure of how our company works. Fuck you. We're just your people are out in the dark. Said enough words. Last like summer, Andy, this guy got hot and he stayed hot. He never wins. He can't win. He's won once. And we always thought he'd win again. He hasn't. <laughs> Could be time to like be riding Grio again. Ooh, love that. Uh, seventh at the Heritage, fifth in Mexico, where I did bet him. But the Tita Green has been outstanding. He is now gaining. He lost putting forever, but he is now gaining in, in what feels like the last month with as many as four and a half last week. I'm not really mentioning about the win. Uh, that would be insane. That'd be insane. Like eight years ago, I thought the guy would win a big boy pants party. If he actually finally did it, that would be funny. Um, but like top 20s or DFS or some other scrub matchup. I made a lot of money being head to heads for SIG. And I forget who he was against on Sunday, but he wiped them for me. I don't know. I I'm feeling Grio. I've probably said way too many words on it, but he is my scrub who I will find way to make money on this week. And he'll do it for me. Pretty form player. He rides form. when he's shit. He's like shit on a run when he's good. He's, a, he seems like a form player. Stupefying iron numbers last week, like 9.6, just orgasmic stuff from the uh, Argentine. I like that. Okay, I don't have any more names. Are you so are Toronto? I mean, are you going to Oak Hill? You're not that far. No, I'm not going to Oak Hill. I'm. I, you're right. I'm not not that far. I how is it from how is it from Toronto? Because because I I guess that you weren't that far. I'm not an expert on. No, it's an hour and a half flight, but it's still like oh. logistically. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, far. I Maybe can get you. Do you want tickets? We can. Now you got my mind racing. Maybe I should go. It is it is close enough. I don't know how thrilled um the fam wife would be. Well, what's yeah, your no, big what's your like big party? I saw you guys are doing like a bit of a show and a, a meet and greet uh at a at a range down the street. So no, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. No, it sounds like a great time. It's a major championship. And the PGA, like for years when it was the final major. I'd always kind of like joke and it was a low hanging fruit joke. Like it's definitely the like inferior major. It's at the end. We're all like golf fatigue. The, the tournaments like, you know, unless your dad was like Justin Thomas and a PGA professional, no kid like try is hitting that 10 footer to win the PGA in the right. mind. Like the U S open the masters. If you're, if you're European, obviously the open championship mm. probably be number one for you. So it just always had that thing. But the course selection and the schedule, Andy, they are just hitting home run after home run. It, I don't like without the prestige of the others, it's kind of become my favorite major. And if it's, Tim Anderson hears me say that, he'll roll <laughs> tape of uh, we'd argue about this like six, seven years ago. And I am I admit when I'm wrong, like I'm dead wrong. You you do not. You can't make fun of this thing in any way now. Not to say you could ever make fun of it. just. Compared to the panache, did I even use that word right? Of like the masters and the other, um, you know, continental championships, I guess you could say. I mean, Oak Hill is going to be awesome. I mean, they, this course is absolutely nothing like the one that you saw in 2013. They took out 600 trees. They redid every green. I was talking to the head pro over there. I was down there two weeks ago. And I mean, and the head pro came Right. I think both the head pro and the director of grounds came from Augusta. And I mean, this course has been, I played it in August. Um, I mean, it, this course is in right before they shut it down. When I went, the grandstands were already up. I mean, <laughs> yes, they've gotten a lot of rain, but this is, this course wins awards about the condition that it's in year after year. They've got the sub air under the greens. Um, I just hope that we don't get rain. If we don't get rain tournament week, then I think it's going to be an outstanding, outstanding major championship. But if we do get rain tournament week, they're diminishing returns and what the golf course can do. But 
I'm I'm excited for this one as much as I have been in a while. I guess the most my only like if I could get one question is is there any reason to think that we need to stray from the profile of who would win this thing? And by that I, I mean, have not been given one yet. Like in terms of if you're, if you're talking like thicker rough turns a little bit into a long drive contest guys a lot of the like new long bunkers, straight penal, yep. like a like yes. what a pga championship setup i mean i know phil won at such a ridiculous yardage and maybe that's the outlier but just what we've i mean a seen from majors regardless of the length of the course is really going to that tight pocket at the top the pga historically has been the one that you know feels like breakthroughs are possible we had mito on the 18th tee last mm-hmm. year like just i guess yes. for long and short like can these got is it just still going to be this finite pocket of winners that's nothing against the course is this thing actually can can it be open to the other part of the field like is that even possible not in my opinion i played the course in august right before they shut it down and i played it from the pgat's 7,400 yards. The guy I was playing with is like, you're fucking crazy. And I was like, well, I'm going to cover this event for work. And, you know, I want to, I want to get as close to the experience in terms of what the players are going to face. And I really don't care if I shoot 95. I'm, I, I mean, actually is the experience uh, the same other than the sight line. Like the sight Well, line what I wanted to do when is you're like, hitting when your second shot is like a three wood. It's not. I drive the ball almost 300 okay, yards. Okay, I was being facetious. So, so no, but but that was the thing too. Is like, for example, I wanted to, like, as somebody that drives at like 285 ish, 290, I was in bunkers all day, all day, and that's what I wanted to see. I was like, so I walked away from the course, and I was like, man, if you have 315, 310 carry distance, you're gonna have a huge advantage at this course. And I don't think I would have noticed that or had that observation had I not played from those tees so that's why i actually walked away from playing the golf course being like rory's gonna win or rom but i think Who it's gonna is be the rory. best or cam young yeah cam young would be perfect but like essentially the brian Harmon profile is like dead right like you're dead. I'll never say dead because there's always going to be a guy at well, every Patrick Reed. You know, Patrick Reed is, Brian is Harmon. Brian Harmon finished third at 7,900 yard Aaron Hills because he made every putt and chipped in. So like, there's always going to be a shorter hitter that is in the top ten. Always on doesn't matter what golf course because there's going to be a guy that gains a million strokes putting and so on and so forth. But their path, I would say is a million strikes different. Like I is a lot harder. I would say that if you think if you're, if the narrative that you're going with, and obviously I don't think anyone's going to think this way once the scorecard comes out and, you know, they start listening to hopefully this podcast and other people that have a strong relationship to the course, the Jason Duffner, Jim Furyk thing. No, 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 no. They took out 600 trees. No, that, I mean, I just, it's, they did a phenomenal restoration, but no, I think that it's long and straight. I don't think that this is, you know, shorter types of, you know, Harding Park was a good, really good Colin Morikawa course. This one is more like winged foot than it is Harding Park. But uh, yeah, no, and I'm going to try and talk to the, the pro too. I don't, I don't know why they haven't released a scorecard yet, but anyway, Jeff Feinberg, my computer's about to die. Um, you've been, uh, wonderful with your time on short notice as well. Um, where can everyone find you this week? Uh, over at, uh, Mayo media network did my show with Pat and hopefully, um, in a few weeks time, we'll, 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 um, continue our old project that we started beginning of this i'd love that i miss that all right jeffrey good to see you my friend much love buddy all the best beat the buzzer later all right that is it for the podcast special thanks to rickrungood.com special thanks to jeff we'll be back on this podcast feed next week talking to will byron nelson probably a lot more oak hill until then best of luck with your bats this week go next and we will see you next time cheers
If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead send the back road stop I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.